Can anyone catch them, do you think? Uh, yes, of course. As unbelievable as it sounds, this is another Arsenal podcast that is the Away Gunners podcast. We bring news and reaction from Arsenal fans from all over the world. On this episode of the Away Gunners podcast, I round up Bob and Arun discuss on everything internal. We begin our discussion with the pointlessness of the international games, especially during this COVID times. We also discuss on the proposed and denied the big picture project, the pros, the cons and everything in between. We also share our favorite Arsenal moments over the years as fans. And we have added an exciting news section called This Game Last Year. A statistics provided by Bob comparing today's Arsenal with yesteryear's one. Do check out. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Away Gunners podcast. Uh, we've got Bob and Arun today with us. Hi Bob, hi Arun. Hey guys. Hello, guys. So, uh, we are in the middle of this interlull, uh, pointless interlull, I would say. Uh, Bob, I'll, I'll put this up to you because this is not a point that we had in mind before we started the podcast, but do you see this internationals as link? Pointless. Why are we playing internationals in the middle of a pandemic? So many internationals yeah. that too. Um, I was not uh, very much a fan of the internationals. Um, neither are many of the fans. Um, but but uh, especially uh, within this pandemic period, it makes the which makes it whole whole. Um, obnoxious and probably you know it's it's completely obsolete in my opinion because. Um, it has brought more pain and misery than what it actually does good to these players playing for their national teams because um, there's there's already a strict bubble being formed between the players and then you know they should be in strict um, following strict guidelines in terms of trying to isolate themselves uh, from the rest of their outside world uh, but even within that there are players often getting caught and one example that I would point out is Tierney unfortunately getting caught with his teammate testing positive um it has it has made me completely disappointed with the way that things have been handled um at the international level maybe uefa could have actually had a thought and then put a brakes to all these qualifiers at least for this season considering that it's it's different to rest of all the seasons that we've had in the past yeah i don't uh so Bob actually touched on the point about Tierney not being available. And uh, we are seeing that Arsenal is making a lot of noise around like getting Tierney back into the team because he does he, he has tested negative over and over again is what we are hearing it about. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, first of all, like Bob said, you know, usually when, when we go out on international breaks, I'm always like, you know, on the edge because we have traditionally had situations where players come back with like broken arms, broken legs, and they are uh, never able to play for the next six months or the season, you know? So this is one period that I dread the most. Um, the, the most famous example is Robin Van Persie. Every September, he, go, he would go out on an international break, come back with a broken leg and not play for the next six months, you know? So um, I always dread this uh, to these two weeks. It's, it's For me, it's like a completely pointless especially given the pandemic time when we these players are going to places where they're not supposed to go playing in situations where they're not supposed to be playing in and uh, at the end like you the covid just like gets to you like no matter who you are you know your Christian Ronaldo you get covid your Kieran Tini you might get covid your Mikel Arteta you've already got covid so given all this 
the very fact that you know we are finding ourselves in a situation because uh, with Kieran Kieran Tony because of you know his teammates Scott Armstrong getting COVID and like the 14 the 14 day period going on the isolation period and in spite of him testing negative three times we're still haggling with the with the Scottish government you know to get him to go. Uh, I don't think any other club would actually be in find themselves in such funny situations that like we do, you know. Any just Arsenal things, just Arsenal just things. Arsenal things, exactly. You know, these are things that you would never. Other club supporters, I don't think, think they would. They would probably be thinking, okay, maybe why? Let's pray that none of our players get uh, COVID. You know, we are the only ones praying that. Oh, let's pray that uh, the players who are playing with our players don't get COVID, so these guys don't get isolated for 40 days, and we have to struggle with the government. So these are the problems, like you said, just Arsenal things. <laughs> it's as well quite laughable that, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo has been uh, tested positive, but the entire squad, um, they are allowed to join back with the rest of their teammates. Uh, so. Wolves? <laughs> yes. you, you mean Wolves? The entire squad mean Wolves? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> Wolves, yeah. Uh, I was having... I don't, I don't hear any noise about, like, you know, Bruno Fernandes not being able to join. It's only us. Like, it's... It's, it's like you said. It's just Arsenal things, crazy things that we we thought would never happen, but we always have. From now on, we have to add that to our checklist. Oh, okay. So if someone else is going to get COVID, that's going to affect our players now. Come on. So um, yeah. So coming back to your question, this is not really a good situation for us. Uh, not not just in terms of like you know needing Tierney for that game, whether we have Tierney or not. Um, the the result is probably going to be the same, I believe. Uh, but um, the, the fact that we're not able to get a player, I think that is more important. Irrespective of the name on the player, the very fact that we're not able to get one player in just because one of his teammates got uh, COVID, and even after three negative tests, we're not able to get him. So, I'm 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 really puzzled. You know, it's laughable. Like Bob said, it's really laughable. But I don't know. Just get expect more like this. I love the way how Tierney responded. Like he's like, I have done everything that they've asked for, that everyone has asked for. Why am I? And I have tested negative. So why am I being punished for something that I've done correctly? You, that is you exactly what I've been Arsenal going through. And you play at Northern, and that's why you're going through all this. <laughs> there, there's true, a, there's true, a true. massive disconnect as well as as we are seeing between what the government health authorities are saying um, against what the clubs and the respective league boards are actually following. Um, for example, Napoli were supposed to uh, play a game at Juventus Stadium um, and they were about to travel to Juventus when, when their local health authorities suggested them not to travel, not safe enough to travel. And for as a reason of that, they had to cancel their travel. Um, the league, um, the Syria R didn't accept that as a valid thing. They didn't. They they completely ignored the local health authorities' warning, and they suggested the match should be going ahead. They didn't really call off the game. Juventus came dressed up um, like as if they are going to play, even despite knowing that Napoli uh, Napoli has never traveled there. They still got dressed up to be, you know, I mean, to be present at the game only for the opponents not to turn up as usual. And then finally, today, the result has actually come out that Juventus were awarded a 3-0 victory over Napoli, which is very much laughable if you look at the, the way things have been done, handled. And it's quite disconnected between the league and then the, and then the local health authorities or whoever is actually managing such sort of a situation. And that's exactly what's been happening with Tierney as well. Tierney has been told by the Scottish government to isolate for 14 days. Now, Premier League or any other league, they don't really look at that or they can't really, uh, they don't really have any powers to intervene. They just want the rest of the things to go as normal. Yeah. And in between that, we are caught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just Arsenal things. It, it happens only to Arsenal. Uh, it, it, it doesn't happen to other clubs for some reason. And it has always been that way. So, yeah. So, talking about uh, Tierney and Arsenal, I, I was just trying to see if we could kind of run through the whole squad and come up with which would be our starting eleven or who and all are the players for look that we have to look out for. Now we have a complete squad. 
now that the transfer window is closed, we have all the incomings, our, outgoings, our, and everything. Our, I have a complete squad yet. For some of us, still missing. <laughs> okay, uh, complete squad except the uh, imaginary one. Does that yeah, make sense? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just re- let let me run through the players for each position, and we could like see which ones are the ones that we could. uh we could see them playing or in in the league in the in the europa league in the other cup games so regarding goalkeepers burn leno is number 1 do you guys agree that do we have enough even a question to and number 3 for now <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh but the thing is like uh what i was meaning to ask is i know burn leno is number 1 in pl and do we have to play him in all the cup games in all the europa games do do we have to or do we have the so there is again another uh, another question there we have ranasen and we have matt messi and arteta has has hinted that it's going to be ranasen as number 2 does that worry yeah, he you? played in the iceland um, game as well yesterday um he's been starting for iceland um the games right since Arsenal signed him I went on to dig his profile and then I just <laughs> Of course you did. <laughs> he's making making starts for his national team which he has been doing um yeah no I think uh, with with uh, the goalkeeper situation it's a bit tricky so I feel even for the initial Europa League games at least until game week 3 or game week 4 that um Bert Leno would make a start that is because that um, um it would give enough cushion for a team to get into the top place and once that is almost set and sealed then he would give a run out for um, runners and just to see how he is actually uh, coping up you know in a top league game um i don't think he would really make a start from the first uh, game week um i believe that he would be given his chance maybe around game week 4 um i think um for capital one cup i would have thought differently but however now that we are almost in the quarter final um bird leno would continue in goal and uh, as long as our way that we are going to progress he's going to be on goal there um we don't even need to talk about premier league but yeah, um about the last competition fa cup possibly leno might get a chance because um fa cup is even more competitive and possibly more uh, more uh, it carries a lot of weightage as well in terms of the way that we have dealt the competition so um i see as like harun mentioned i see but leno as number 1 number 2 number 3 yeah. but uh, but my question around to you is we know that we are going to travel to unknown places in europa league should we risk our first team that's that's my question right because europa league is even if it's if it's a priority for us as a trophy or even if it is not should we risk our first players to go to all these unknown places especially burn leno like you have said he's number 1 number 2 number 3 we cannot do the league with other goalkeepers we need leno we cannot go to somewhere and come back and say like burnt leno has to go on 14 day isolation like what tierney is going through now is it wise to take him out you you you're right on that point it's it's very right to have those concerns and be cautious but if you think about it we we do not have a lot of options we have three goalkeepers and three is just a number matt messi has been there for a long time and everyone just says he's a very nice guy very good guy but his performances are you know like there's nothing been happening for him to convince arteta uh, that he can move from number 3 to even number 2 you know so that rules one person out of the running completely um so we have runners and leno now runners and is if you i i and i'm pretty sure you all of you guys must have seen his stats before he joined us it was nothing good you know like it was mm-hmm. it was pretty bad uh, you might like say that you know he had a pretty shitty defense in front of him but even in that case that those were pretty bad starts so um I, i don't know what the idea was to buy him maybe like get someone for a cheap price hope that he develops and then have him a, you know like play a role that would just require him for the fa cups or like you know the the carabao cups and all this nonsense but um 
honestly right now we do not have a choice like i understand your question taking leno to some place like you know norway and maybe if he gets um, hurt or anything we do but honestly do we have a choice at this point i really don't think so leno has to start the pl games make socrates play as the goalkeeper socrates uh, if he gets registered maybe yeah <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah. but like that 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 option has been ruled out of the europa league so like he cannot be a goalkeeper for the europa league uh, so uh, that leaves us with again just with two options you know you have to either play leno or ranasen and given the situation that we are in right now and given the competition around like you know like the top six spots it's not just toxic anymore you know like even if you consider the toxic there's still teams like leicester and everton that are continuously strengthening and fighting for those six spots so yeah in this in this situation the europa league just provides another alternative for you to be able to get into the champions league and all these teams who are participating in there would definitely have their objective in the back of their mind which means that they are not going to take a lot of risks in that competition either you know maybe out of the six games in the first group stage of the europa league i i i see that hopefully we should qualify within the first four games and maybe at that point i think ranasen might get a run for the next two games you know just to get him acclimatized to the, the competition the level of competition that they're going to be playing against of course anything is going to be a, a step up for from where he was playing you know like mm-hmm. the league that he was playing and anything is going to be a step up so that is where i see him playing again like bob mentioned the fa cup no uh, because uh, we are kind of in a situation where we are going to be facing stronger teams from now on mm-hmm. so maybe if we do face a weaker team from a lower league we might play but otherwise it's going to be leno again and for the carabao cup we found ourselves in a situation where we are facing the stronger teams though that's a shitty competition we are facing stronger teams and i don't think atada would be like willing to throw him right over there you know um, like you play a team like city and like even their uh, third choice strikers are going to come and score six goals against you so again that's not going to happen so yeah we know we 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 do not have the choice this time uh, especially because of the fact that the second goalie is not someone who can you can really rely upon uh, at least that's that's the idea that i i have no he does he's not given me any confidence Now that I've seen him play, but just his stats and shit. But given the situation, I'm yeah, it's 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 a thing that we ideally would not want to happen, but has to happen because of the situation that we are in right now. You know, Leno is going to be playing. We don't we cannot change that. There's nothing that's going to happen. Um, sorry, sorry. Just to add one more point here. Um, if you look at the whole squad, you know, not just in terms of the goalkeeping position, the whole squad is actually a work in progress, which has been half left completed. are even less than half left completed at the end of the transfer window so you can't really call this a settled squad as such you know i can actually point out five players at least we've been actively trying to ship out but couldn't do at the last minute for whatsoever reasons and the goalkeeper is actually one of those issues which we've been trying to address ranasen has been bought yes but he has been more brought in as a replacement for the potential exit of matt messi which quite didn't happen for whatever reasons and david raya was uh, of brentford he was supposed to be given the number 2 and he was even um, willing to accept the terms which were put forth by arsenal just that um, uh, you know brentford stood their ground and then they didn't really uh, allow him to move on um uh, um from brentford so um that was actually the position with uh, uh the goalkeepers as such you know we were never never i don't think there was even a um, thought about keeping ranasen as a potential number 2 um i don't think even he would have said ready for it um, because it's quite a tricky position if at all there is something happening to bert leno then he would be coming under a lot of pressure and we are talking about top teams here and i don't think he would be anywhere near to handle the pressure um, that he should be getting um david raya um from whatever that i have seen so far he looks very promising but that suppose that part of the transfer quite didn't happen um that was partly due to our fault that you know we were not able to balance the books uh, with the sales one more thing that i learned well while, while um, learning about or when reading about um, david raya is the fact that he would be qualified as a homegrown player having played in the blackdown uh, blackburn um, um youth system or blackdown um, blackburn team sorry 
um, um, in the past. So he would be qualified as a home player, which is which is just massive advantage. But uh, yeah, now I think we we didn't have the right funds to um, bring him in as well. Um, um, there were too many players to be shipped out from our squad. Uh, as a as an expert from playing FIFA with David Raya, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a really good player. <laughs> that that sounds like the experts now, right? Like most of the experts are play like scouting through the FIFA, uh, seeing the stats and, and YouTube compilation videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a new normal for scouts. Uh, uh, well. Uh, just uh, just to go uh, go forward with other things right i don't want to uh, linger so much on specific players or uh, anything but i want to i want to put this idea through both of you uh, the whole point of having a formation is becoming redundant don't you think that is that is true like no longer we could see a 4321 uh, or Three four, uh, three four three. We don't see the formations anymore on the pitch. It's quite fluid. We start with something, we move to something. Especially with Arteta and Pep, we are seeing this defending with five banks, attacking with five banks, uh, the passing lanes and stuff. So, do you see it is it is it is changing? Do you see that this is this is how football is right now? Should we, be um, should we be discussing as why I ask that question is because we could not discuss about like Saka or Maitland Niles as a positional player. They could be put in anywhere and everywhere, right? What would you call Saka? What would you call Maitland Niles? What would you call Willian? What would you call Pepe? You, you don't know. You don't know what the position they are playing because it's it's like putting them into into roles rather than positions. Go ahead, Bob. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, I was going to say that that's how the game is evolving, and that's how that's how they see they see the um, evolution of football, you know, turning into. So it was not it's no no longer a rigid four four two system or four three three system. The team has to be fluid enough based on the opposition's strengths and weaknesses because um, every opposition and every gameplay is actually different. How you actually heard. Um, it's it's very quick counterpressing, um, and then you know people. Um, if you look at all the players, they are they are playing more than in more than one position. So it's not it's not really set in stone that uh, such a player would be playing only except for the goalkeeper. Um, you know, such a player would be playing only in this position, and he cannot be playing in any other position at all. It's it's good for the game. I feel I feel um, I feel more energetic watching watching different formations and different styles of play um, during the middle of the game, and then you know it just brings more variety to the game that I feel. Arun, but I I kind of have a, a, a an apprehension towards this thing because uh, what I feel is this is becoming more like athleticism than artist. The game has evolved into something like the North American sports. I hate that term and I hate North American sports in general because it's more about like athleticism in, and like your physical stature than actual intelligence in the in the game. That's uh, why watching hockey, man. That's why uh, watching hockey. I, I, I do. I do watch some hockey, but uh, it is still the same. It is still, for me, it's more a scramble than like, you know, um, uh, poetry. You you I, remember? I the, yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean because and uh, it is becoming the same. Uh, football is becoming the same. All run by stats. All all by uh, the uh, most athletic people. Is is that becoming? Is that is that taking away football from us? Uh, honestly, I I understand your point. You know, like as someone who also watches American sports, because there's no, there's not a lot of build-up in American sports. It's like you said, you know, scramble and there's, it's more of agility and athleticism and your power that we use than your brains. Um, but the thing is, it's it's sports evolving. So it's it's not just I wouldn't say it's just football that is evolving or just like one sport. It is the very nature of sports. It, it just keeps evolving, you know, like you cannot keep doing the same thing over and over over an extended period of time. You take any sport you want. You talk about cricket, you talk about football, 
um, or you talk about anything else, people have to keep inventing and reinventing, you know. Um, and what these managers, according to me, what these managers are doing right now, which is termed as the, the next gen football, is basically things that were already tried out in the olden days. You know, all that we have right now, inverted forwards, three two five, five two three, everything was all, if you think about it, Herbert Chapman played uh, WM and MW, you know, like he had, so it was, it's all nothing new. They're just taking older um, strategies and just trying to, you know, like adapt them to the current situation right now, just so they can stay ahead of the pack, you know. Um, if you think about it, pressing, yes, teams were pressing before, but then something else became the vogue. Teams started going towards that, you know. So in, in each, each generation, we've always had this evolution. Italian system has always been like, you know, difficult to log. They have like the, the door knock uh, formations where everyone defends and it's just one guy whose job is to open the door, you know. So, and the Spanish have always been fluid, but then Pep came in and he introduced more possession play. It's not that the possession play didn't exist before. He just made it like uh, everything on the pitch dependent on the possession that they had and then came pressing. So it's just evolution of football, but uh, the formation, yes. So the teams do not really start with any formation, if you think about it. They have a formation on paper, but is that the formation they start? Maybe not, because they have two different ways of playing, like one when in possession, one when not in possession. Again, this is not anything new. Teams have been doing this all along. When in possession, they play a specific way. If you know your pitch, you're going to be narrowing down your pitch when you're not in possession. When you're in possession, you're going to be widening it to make maximum use of it, you know? So these things keep happening. And like you said, it is giving rise to players who are adept at playing at multiple positions. What do you think about total football? This is nothing new, you know? Total football was played in the 70s and we're just like probably taking it, rehashing it and doing something that involves more of pressing and more of possession. So you don't lose the ball. And even if you do, the recovery time and rate are pretty high. So this is for me, just closing the gaps in the pitch, evolving football to the next level. And this is not going to be the, the, the only thing happening for the next two, three years. You know, as more new managers come in, they're getting more of the new ideas in. The way in which Wenger and uh, Ferguson managed was very different from how Mourinho managed, you know. Mourinho, Benitez, guys like them managed. I'm talking about guys who achieve success. Um, not just based on the, their man management, but also the way in which the, the football was played on the pitch, the formation. Again, the next gen, Pep and Klopp completely rehashed everything that Mourinho, Benitez, those guys were doing. And now we have guys like Ateta, uh, Lampard and, you know, like Nagelsmann who are taking it to the next level. So this is going to continuously happen. Player teams, maybe we'll go back to like, you know, more rigid team uh, formation, like teams just sticking on to their position, players just sticking on to their position. Or we might see something else in the future where you might think Saka is a left back where he'll be scoring the goals as a striker, you know. So it's a natural progress, a natural evolution dependent on the situation in the leagues and the and, and world around. So if one manager does it, he and and it yields success. He's naturally termed as like you know a trendsetter, and we have a ton of managers trying to adapt, emulate, and follow the same thing. You know, so yeah, it's going to naturally happen. It might, might get stringent. It might get freer, easier, more eye-catching football. But uh, yeah, this is a natural evolution. It's going to happen for sure. And I think it's for the good of the game too, because you're seeing like more varieties. You're seeing how the game is evolving. Rather than like, you know, like you mentioned the North American schools. Though I mentioned hockey, if you watch a game of hockey, it's going to be the same. Uh, it's going to be the same players trying to score the goal and then players thinking of getting in. That's like, it's, it's, it's the same thing happening there. There's not been a lot of changes. Whereas if you take a game like cricket, analytics and like, you know, the way in which players play, how they play, it comes down to even like each individual player. So it, that's, that's what I feel like football is following, you know, like coming down to the individual player, assessing their strengths and weaknesses and like trying to contain them. So, yeah, this is as we get more stats, more technology, as we evolve, this is going to definitely like get bigger and happen more and more, I find. Okay, yeah. So uh, quickly, let's, uh, let's wrap this whole session up. Like, uh, is there any other player or any other position that you guys want to discuss in detail about uh, Bob do you want to discuss about any other positions in in the squad that or any other player that you want to discuss about uh, not in particular because as I said the squad is completely not settled 
um, probably we might be going beyond January for the squad to really get settled. Um, hopefully, we just have to keep churning results and winning um, games between the time. So, um, I mean, we stay in contention for the places that we would like to go to. Uh, but yeah, um, having said that, there is not much discussing about the current squad that we have in terms of the players or personnel because um, obviously many of them are really going to um, uh, leave. Um, I would say, you know, if you look at players like uh, Socrates or Kolasinac or, um, or even William Saliba, for example, um, that was actually a strange one to me. I don't really know what was happening behind him. Is that due to his personal reasons or is it due to his performances on the pitch? Because he was touted as the next uh, Tony Adams straight away without him kicking a ball for the club. And so, he is given the number four. Like that is yeah, yeah. more 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 uh, strange because he's given the number four. So I don't know. Maybe it's, it's due to personal reasons. I believe. Um, so not yep. sure again. So with with those things, we uh, we all don't know what's going to happen with Chambers. We are um, Mustafi, um, and then who's going to be really left behind in the defense? And then uh, midfield sort of looks okay. Um, yeah, now of course we need a creative link. Uh, that's where Owa's name was mentioned. Ozil is being completely frozen out. There is a pseudo war going on between the club and the player. You know, he's, he's trying to do more things as in like in the view of the public, um, like, you know, you know, chipping to paying for the um, Ganasaurus wages and whatsoever. And he's been getting into the wrong side of things with the board. So, um, so that's... that's we we don't want to step on the Ozil mine today. No, we don't want to step on the whole Ozil situation today. We have had enough. We have heard. We have talked a lot. Everyone has talked a lot. No, uh, we are not getting sucked into the Ozil discussion. Yeah, but squad squad thing, I, I get your point where... Where yeah, we they, don't, yeah. I think if you look at if you look at if you segregate the team into goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, and attackers, um, the our attacking department looks to be the more stable one. All right, so uh, we already touched upon the changes to the game, but there are changes proposed about the league. Uh, Bob, did you hear about the breakaway league and the proposals? I mean, it, it is turned down now, but did you hear about that? And what what are your thoughts on that? No, yeah, I think uh, um, I did definitely hear about that. I, I read through it very briefly. You know, I didn't go too much into detail because those were just proposals uh, made by Liverpool and Manchester United together without the knowledge of many such clubs You know, in the Premier League. So uh, it's, it's interesting so... to see those two clubs getting together for something, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> one has a massive PR and then the other one is on the top of the game at the moment in England, at least. So it makes sense for them to be together. And uh, yeah, no, I think you can't, you can't deny the fact that Manchester United have created a lot of popularity with the way that they used to play in the past. We can't say that with the way they play currently at the moment. Uh, but yeah, uh, what are you talking about? Are you mentioning that Maguire is not the best player in the world? Uh, yeah, that, of course, he is that, right? that, that everyone is uh, kind of going like, did you hear how they are supporting him after all the red card and all the tackle? That was so, yeah, because he's United player. If it was Arsenal player, like you... yeah. now I think uh, a few of them pointed that um, there's, there's actually a difference in treatment. Um, to the way that uh, Maguire has been treated, to how Pogba has been treated, you know, when when he is in such a slum, so it's not still you can you can't say it's 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 different for a United player because even between them, they they seem to have differences in the way that they look at people. So coming back to this. Uh, project big picture proposal, right? Um, I'm glad it, it got turned down. So the thing is, um, it would eventually cut the league from 20 clubs to 18 clubs. Um, where, I mean, in case of a relegation, the 17th and the 18th placed team would directly get relegated. And then the 16th placed team would go into a relegation playoff 
to fight for their chance to stay back in the league with the promoted teams from league um, from the championship for example yeah um so i i <laughs> on the flip note i actually welcome one of their proposals you know which is completely scrapping the the league cup or the carabao cup and then the community uh, community yes, yes. please please scrap the carabao cup please <laughs> but but we would be losing one of those right like uh, community shield if you take that out we are losing out on it's one okay. trophy it's okay if, if if it means that we're not going to be playing in the carabao cup please please do it please um so it as well means that um you know the teams who actually come up um to the premier league from the championship just to get some parachute payments without spending much um um much uh, um amount uh, or the money sorry in the in the transfer market uh, west brom which um as an example for this season um they still get their um, i mean they still won't be getting any parachute payments um, according to the proposal there um the good thing to come out of this is um, there would be a 250 million um, fund made immediately available to the efl or the english football league um, and then any 25% um, of any future tv deals that that has been signed between the premier league clubs this effectively is a more looked at a, as a bailout package to be i mean to all the lower league clubs in the english football premier yeah um it also gives out 100 million to the the football association uh, for all the lost revenue in this time of covid so this is basically um oh yeah i i forgot to mention one last point which is very important they are, they have actually chosen they have chosen themselves nine big clubs with special voting rights um based on their extended run in the premier league um i'm thankful that arsenal as well um featuring in that nine um special club uh, you know <laughs> selection um so and these clubs would be given special voting rights at the time of need so basically these were all the proposals put in place i'm thankful that it got shut down straight away uh, but yeah i don't really know what's the what's the whole idea behind all these things except for the fact that you know they're trying to maybe um create more revenue by scrapping up those two um league games um they would be inviting other european games in form of friendlies and then they would try and um sign lucrative deals with sponsors to 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 play one off matches in dubai or somewhere just to generate more money um which 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 should have been the whole intention behind all this all this is all about money right everything that these proposals are are about money at the end of the day uh, even though they keep saying that this is going to be like less number of games for the players less fatigue for the players it's 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 all about money i don't your your take on the breakaway league course it's all about money like you said you know and um, the rest of the stuff that they're saying is all garbage um if you think about it like bob said if out of 18 teams if nine teams are getting special rights and they're being called special then does that mean that the remaining nine are not special <laughs> i don't understand you have 18 teams in the league and half of them are special it's just like um concentrating power in the hands of a very few people who actually run the business right now with all the money and the revenues that they're running and then it's like increasing the amount of power that they have so right now it is not something that is um you know like i do not know if if it if it is right on the part of these clubs to have uh, such a proposal and i am right now happy that it's been turned on um if you think about it this is not anything new you know like it is such sort of proposals have been going on for a long time i don't know if you guys remember but i think in um, when wenger was with us even during parts of his tenure there were always talks of a breakaway super league with uh, all the european top teams you know and those ideas never came to fruition so um they, these talks are not new i'm pretty sure like we'll also be having some of the geniuses coming uh, in maybe two or three years with some new plans that would again like you know further increase the power that the, the top teams have and then shoot the, the lower level teams down they do not 
like okay you give 250 million uh, to the, the, the championship but is that going to compensate for all the the games that are being played or like you know so it it doesn't really add up so um yeah i think for me it's, it's a good thing that they shut us down uh, especially considering that you know like it was liverpool and united uh, who were the teams who wanted to start it two of the biggest clubs in the world right it shows you know like the amount of power that they had and even like the other seven teams that were thinking of a european league recently like you know you look at all those teams they were all either current big clubs or big clubs that were clubs that were like you know uh they considered big at least um, for a good amount of uh, the last century i would say so given this situation it is again like pushing just like you know all the way towards one corner where all the big teams reside and not giving a lot to the rest of the the, the teams that play the game so yeah for me it's it's a good decision uh, but but proposals like this are definitely going to come time and again in the future all right uh the the this part seems to be a lot more about the league and other uh, other stuff than arsenal so i want to bring us back to arsenal i just want to bring as a as a as an arsenal fan what is your favorite memory of of arsenal bob do you want to go first it's is probably a very difficult question you know because um i've, I've been following the club for a very long time as you guys probably know um yeah, my i have i have several lot of memories you know um thinking right in front of me if i if i think of it so but if i were to pick up one favorite thing which i enjoyed the most as my time as a fan i know we won numerous matches you know from from most difficult positions um, but if i were to single out one match that i'm going to talk about it's the last game of the invincible season where we won the where we won the league at white hart lane it could have never been written in a better way absolutely it was it was stunning um you know if you if you actually look at in such a scenario we could have never won it better that it was the best ever team and nobody has ever matched it so far in you know, going the league unbeaten um and to win it against in one of our fiercest rivals at their home is the best thing to happen <laughs> i still have this uh, picture of arsene standing um you know uh, raising both his hands up to the crowd there behind at white hart lane um that was the that was the best thing that i could think of as as a fan did you hear about the whole uh, amy lawrence uh, talking about that game uh, where uh, they mentioned to theory andre that don't like not not just to him to all the players not to celebrate at at white hart lane to inside the crowd and then andre was like fuck it i'm going to celebrate it of course <laughs> yeah i was going to mention that as well yeah no, uh, definitely good point um yes they were players were giving specific instructions not to not to do any provocative things and of course what would you do as an arsenal player you do exactly the opposite right yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's also interesting because at that point if you know like they they drew the game we we drew yeah yeah game. and they were yeah. they were creating all these noise like uh, exactly. like they have won exactly. it exactly that 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 like you know, they were there and he was like guys you know when we won the league and we're celebrating and you guys are celebrating a draw you know that shows that shows what you were aiming for and that shows what we are aiming for so the difference was obvious and that kind of like you know pushed pushed them to spirit even more like <laughs> you're going to see me on the pitch you're going to see what I'm capable of doing sort of a thing yeah uh, arun your favorite uh, arsenal memory though uh there 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 are like a lot uh, but um, a lot of uh, good memories a lot of heartbreaks as well but uh, i think for me um, i'll say the the, the favorite most favorite memory that eventually ended in a heartbreak was uh, the 2006 champions league run oh yes you know that memory no, was man. of all the games you chose to bring that up see no, yeah i mean i mean i i understand what you mean i understand like i said that's what it is a heartbreak but the run the run that we had throughout that competition was unbelievable and at that point given the team that we had the kind of teams that we faced and beat 
uh, you know, like that was something Juventus, that I... Real Madrid, Villarreal. Oh, exactly. Man. I mean, we, we, we beat Juventus away. We beat like Real Madrid away. You know, that we silenced the silence you know, and those are the kind of things that I wasn't expecting with that squad that we had at that point. You know what I mean? So, it's like we were feeling centers and as a centre-back and we were keeping clean sheets. Uh, that, that goal that Lehman conceded in the finals was his first goal the defence conceded in a long, long time. Uh, so that was like one of my favorite memories, and the other one I would say is again another Champions League memory. Uh, we didn't win it. Uh, if I think it was the invincible season again, where we beat Inter away by five goals to one. Five, five, four. Yes. Five, one. Yeah, yeah. So because we were like uh, that, yeah, we won the Inter came to um, uh, Highbury. I think they beat us three, one. I think yeah, three, one, three, one or three, zero. Uh, it, was, it was pretty disappointing watching that game. Because uh, you know, you're in India, you have to stay up late and watch the games in the middle of the night. And you see this happening, this squad that was supposed to be invincible, you know, like getting beaten up by a team from Italy, that too at home, you know. That was very disappointing. And the return leg was, it was again, something that I completely did not expect. It was an Andre masterclass. It was crazy, you know, like when you think about it, all my good memories are usually associated with Andre masterclasses. But that was one, and even the Liverpool game where we came back in the invincible season, 4-2. Those are specific memories, the, uh, the, the, the Tottenham goals. So, yeah, these are like the ones that stand out more than anything that we've done, I would say, in the last 10 years. You just stole my uh, my favorite uh, one there, like the Liverpool game where, uh, like, the it is yeah. so good. Yeah, he, just, yeah, yeah. He, just, he just takes the game. It just shows you what kind of a player he is. He just takes the game by the scruff of neck and he's like, no, we are not losing this game. Yeah, they were, that, they is, were, that is a statement yeah. right there. It was a very disappointing time as well. We just exited the Champions League. We were beaten in the FA Cup. Yeah. So, we yeah. had only this league to play for. And not just the league. We had to win it like, you know, without losing a game. So, it was, it was, it was a fantastic memory. That one, the way he, in which he turned the game around. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it's a, it's a shame that this guy hasn't won a Ballon d'Or. Maybe that's a discussion yeah. for another day. Uh, yeah, but uh, for me, if, uh, as you have already stolen my favorite uh, game, uh, the next one, the next, next, I have two uh, to discuss about it. The FA Cup win, uh, where we we won after so many years, where we shut down the clock. That do, do you guys remember? There was a website that said uh, Arsenal lost won a trophy dot com, where oh, there was a clock a clock yeah. that was going on, and that was shut down after that FA Cup uh, win. So that is that is one of my uh, favorite games in in recent times because obvi- obviously because of the of the of the trophy but also because of how it changed. Uh, I feel that that squad is a little bit undervalued, uh, underrated. Uh, that particular squad of players that Arsenal had during that time. Uh, I feel that they are, if we would have won or if we would have run a closer la- race to the league, that squad would have been a little bit valued better. Well, we did have a run to the league. We came uh, second. Yeah, but, no, we, we didn't. We, we didn't. We we came second. We didn't come. We didn't run. Uh, have a run to the league. That was a season where uh, Tottenham did what they do best. Like they yeah. and Leicester were running close, and then they finished third. And we finished second, so that was not. Uh, but but that squad actually, if you remember, uh, I think that squad played that Norwich game, which we we were, we were the we we were so entertaining. We was that was the beautiful football, uh, the Norwich uh, the wonder goal that Jack scores with that one touch yeah, passing yeah. everywhere. So that squad actually had potential, but obviously. Um, that 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 game is one of my favorite memory in recent times, and the other one is uh, the return of the king when Andre comes back and then he goes on. That is pure goosebumps moment when he goes on and then song passes to him and then that one touch finish. That was that was awesome. That was a really yeah. good memory. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone ever like you know scored a goal after that. So I'm, I'm talking about Arsenal strikers. Anyone ever scored a goal after that like like that? You know, like mm-hmm. at that age, the man came over to his body and just sent one to the far corner. I don't I don't know like if anyone can do that. In the league. It, it, it is just like a fairy tale, right? Like where exactly. he comes back. It, it is like a Hollywood script where something is 
not even hollywood script it it would be pro- probably like a mass masala it's movie from fast. india yeah <laughs> <Commercial> <laughs> where he comes back and like he just goes on this great shot and that's a andre finish it's not just a it's not anything else it's not just a goal it's a typical andre goal so yeah those two uh, are my uh, yeah uh, sorry sorry guys just to just to interrupt you now so i was listening to asin wenger's interview uh with uh, james richardson michael cox and uh, um uh, julian rollo um so uh, he actually mentioned they asked him what what was um, his uh, beautiful memories that he has had with the club he actually mentioned the last game against everton in his first season um, that he actually won um that was one of the things but then he he touched upon the champions league final as well because for that team he knew that the stadium um was going to be moved or the new stadium was going to be constructed and it was going to be quite a significant move in terms of all their finances and everything one last thing which would have been a jewel in the crown was actually a european trophy and until that point in time we were 13 minutes away from winning it um and for some reasons i don't know that you know with all the red card and everything you know we lost that game but he he did definitely um i mean he he touched upon just, just like how arun did now it was it is one game which i wish to forget in my lifetime but i still can't it, it's a scar in my heart that i can never forget that game or i can never forgive what happened there mm-hmm. so no asul fanya almonia for the rest of the game after lehman got off you know yeah and we still managed to like stay in the game till the last 30 minutes so oh man that's uh but but uh bob you touched upon a point uh i love arsin wenger like i know the fan base is polarized on him right now and all those things and you guys know that how much i uh i sketch him or draw him or paint him there there are like anything more than any anything else that i've painted or uh, or, or sketched arsin wenger is my thing and it i just love that guy and it is so um it is so intelligent whatever he says is so intelligent it's it, he is he is arsenal for me yeah but moving on <laughs> i no, see a, could, yeah talk, honestly you're not on arsenal so with with asin wenger um i i i was just reading some excerpts uh, from the book and then you know the passion that he still has for the club is quite remarkable um and there was never even one point where he mentioned they uh, when he meant refers to us and he still mentions we that shows how much he loves and how much he values to the club you know i mean how much he respects the club from the bottom of his heart that's as much as what i could say in a very in a quick nutshell but yeah there's there's lots of things that i could go keep talking about all day we need a complete different uh, podcast for uh, an episode for uh, arsin wenger uh, discussion i guess i i have to invite uh, the uh, newer crop to discuss that uh, but just just one small yes yeah, sir funny that you say like you know uh, arsenal uh, and arsenal and you know everything related to arsenal was arsenal for you many young fans at that point in time actually thought that uh, arsenal was named arsenal after us <laughs> so yeah i know that i know i know that that quote yeah, actually so, yeah maybe it's a funny coincidence but yeah uh so let's uh let's talk about the uh the city game that we are going to have this weekend uh do we just have to do a prediction or do we uh, do we have more things to talk because i want to discuss about whether you guys think that parte is going to start the game or going to be involved in the game in any way arun do you think parte is going to be in involved in the game in the squad but not in the first lineup and i don't think he might play either so no i don't think he's going to get a move uh i'm i'm bit 50 50 on that i think i think he'll ardeda will assess how party is actually coping up in the training because he's just joined the club he he was out on his international duties by the way guys did you did you look at those two assists that he provided to the yes <laughs> of course we did <laughs> Of um, the second did. one was second one was very tasty actually so i mean the run the striker made i don't know who he is but as the run he made um anticipating that pass was really a thing of beauty 
So um, but, yeah, but so the first one doesn't feel like an assist. It was a shot that kind of got into the way. I, yeah, I felt it was similar like a shot. Yeah. Yes, yeah, true. Um, so in terms of party's availability, I feel maybe he he could get the nod considering the importance of the game. But uh, but it depends upon uh, what Arteta sees in our the physical condition that Partey has been coming back with. Um, I think he would be in the starting lineup um, if my prediction comes true. Um, but yeah, it's it's who will, who will be dropped if we want to start Partey? Is it Chaka or is it going to be Sabayos? Sabayos is going to be dropped. Um, Party and Shaka um, would make the starting lineup, and then I would think Sabayos would come in to replace, um, just like how he came in for the Liverpool game. Hmm. What about the defense? Hopefully, he gives in a couple of good assists like the Liverpool game, and hopefully, a strikers are able to convert it. Uh, but but before yeah. that, right? Like, uh, who's who's in defense? Do you see as uh, because Arteta has not uh, played Gabriel against uh, Liverpool? Do you see him making a making a start against City? I think so. I think so. Um, he's gone on to understand that uh, Gabriel is a bit more ready than what he thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel maybe that he would get in a nod for the defense. Um, so maybe in my in my uh, mind, I have uh, Gabriel um, holding and uh, uh, David Luiz in the mm-hmm. starting defense. If if Tierney is not available, right? If Tierney is available, then maybe that will change. Yeah, and even with that, I feel I feel Gabriel will definitely get a nod for this game. Okay. Arun, uh, do you see any other change, Pepe or Willian? I know you are a Pepe guy. You are a Pe- I'm not asking which you would prefer. I'm saying like which which would Arteta's be? Uh, uh, probably Willian. Probably Willian on the right. Uh, the the defense, I think, like uh, if Kane is available, like you guys said, if Kane is available, he play probably. Um, I think I think Gabriel will start. Mm-hmm. Uh, irrespective of whether KD is available or not. So the third defender would probably be either holding or KD. That would be the choice. KD is not starting. That it's going to be Gabriel, uh, Luis, and holding, I think, with AMN and uh, Beren. Uh, yeah, and in terms of the, the attack, uh, Abameyang and Lacazette. Lacazette should start over ready. And I think, um, yeah, it'll be William again. Uh, Atada would be a little defensive right at the beginning. Because again, most of the attack is going to be from the left, so the right would be relatively, you know, defensive. So I think he would start, and maybe Pepe would come out to make a difference in the second half. But I, I also feel the other way, right? In Sheffield game, Arteta kind of uh, tried the other way. They, he, he wanted the right to be the attacking side, and it, it sort of worked. I, uh, he was so happy after the game, and I think that is because of the plan that worked. Well, it could also be because of the opposition, right? Sheffield and City do not match up in any way. Mm. So, Sheffield was a more difficult team to unlock. So, that's that's what showed in the second half. Because against City, we're going to be more on the defensive side. We're going away to the Etihad. It's not an easy place to win. Mm. And City are like starting from, you know, like all the defeats that they've had. They've been beaten 5-2 by a Leicester team. So, uh, yeah. So, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, we will be defensive for sure. We're not going to be like, we're just going to try and pounce on one of the Few chances that we might get. I'll hold hold you down for the prediction right there. What what do you predict? Two one and three one and three to city. Okay, okay. Uh, Bob, you want to add a section on this game last year? Uh, come on, we we want to listen to you about the this game last year. Okay, guys. Um, I wanted to actually bring out a section where uh, we just compare our results again, how we performed in similar sort of games from the previous season. Um, I'll tell you in a nutshell in terms of how this works. So we just compared um, to the same opposition that we played last time around for most of the teams, except for the teams who have got relegated. So, but in the case of them, for example, um, last season we had um, we had Bournemouth, um, Watford, and Norwich relegated. But in the case of them, you are exactly replacing them with the three promoted teams from the top um, in similar positions. So, say for example, Bournemouth finished 18th. So you you replaced them with Leeds for this season, 
and then uh, respectively with uh, West Bromwich for Watford and then uh, Fulham for Norwich respectively. So what, how this works is you, you compare them against exactly the same fixture in, in the same league um, and then you, you see how your team has been performing as compared to the last season. Now, in many ways that is I would this, think... That, uh, Bob, sorry to cut you off. Just a question as you said this. Uh, is this like again the same opposition last time or is it like where we were in the league last time? Like this in terms of time. Are we talking about like the sixth game of the league or the game that we played against the same opposition? I'm, I'm glad that you brought this question exactly at the right time because I've got both these stats. Um, I've got the stats of exactly facing the same or the similar opposition uh, from last time as well as how we were after the end of X amount of games. Yeah. So when I, when I first, uh, I mean, I just want to touch upon the first thing first, uh, which is how we were against the similar games played against last season. After similar set of fixtures, we are on a trajectory of plus four. I'll tell you how the point system works. Say, suppose if we actually win a game um, against the team that we won in the same fixture last year. If I take, for example, the West Ham home game, um, West Ham home, we won the game even the last year as well. So if you look at the points that we've gained out of that, that would be zero for this season because it was a game which was already won the previous year as well. So it wouldn't carry any weightage. But interestingly, if I compare the Norwich game last season um, against the Fulham game this season, the first game of our season, in the Norwich game last season, we drew 2-2. So which means that we won the game against Fulham this year. What it means that we've gained two points more than what we were playing against for a similar fixture last year. Yeah. So going by the things of that, we lost um, two points against Norwich um, the previous season. And same with Sheffield at um, home as well. We lost two points there because we again drew the game there. So if you compare to the similar fixtures from last year, um, we are plus four points at the moment. Again, this is just a very early indication. Um, this is not really, I mean, this has to be looked at um, through the course of the season in terms of how we are performing. And the next one which comes out is the City game where we miserably failed to establish our authority in the past and we might get a good lead in terms of how the team has been going along. Now, um, mentioning on the point which Arun touched upon, um, I've as well put up some um, numbers in terms of how, how many points we've gained after X amount of, of games, um, which is actually four at the moment. We've gained two points at the moment um, as compared to last year. So we did, we did win the first two games last season, um, but then we lost the third game, which was again against uh, Liverpool. Um, but then, interestingly, if you look at the fourth fixture that we had, we played Spurs and we drew the game. So, which means that we lost two points there against the two points that we have gained by beating Sheffield United at home this season. So, after um, four games, that we are uh, plus two in terms of the coefficient. Now, I wanted to go a bit deeper and then do something interesting. So I wanted to compare these results against how we were performing um, against what we were back in 2014-15. Now, I specifically picked up 2014-15 because that was actually the season where we finished third in top four. Um, I mean, we did finish in top four the season after as well. That was the season when Leicester won the league. But uh, that was not a very good barometer because we, we were second in the league with 70 points. That was not a clear reflection um, in terms of the points. So I probably thought I'll pick up the 2014-15 season and then look to see how we are coping up against that season. Um, after four rounds of fixtures, we were minus four as compared to um, this season. 
So, so we are actually performing better against what we were performing in 2014-15. Of course, the fixtures were quite heavy um, as more as compared to uh, this season because we played Everton away, Leicester away and uh, City home. So um, it's not the same apples to apples comparison, but at least in terms of um, after a specific game week, um, this is what the result has been so far. So I'll, I'll keep collecting these stats as we go along and then I'll keep presenting in every part as much as I can and then I'll try and explain. So anyone have any questions on um, how the calculations works, feel free to reach out on our Twitter handle at away.gunas and then you'd be able to get some answers related to that. Yeah, and also we are going to post this uh, this every week this uh, stat, this the this game last year uh, section in our Twitter and in our uh, Instagram every week, uh, courtesy of Bob. And uh, anyone, as Bob mentioned, add your comments to it. We are trying to do something here. So thanks, Bob, for that. Uh, it's, it's a really, really good yardstick. It shows what we are, where we are, and how we are going and how Arsenal is doing. Thank you. So that would be the end of the pod today. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you for joining in. And it's, uh, it's always been a pleasure. And hopefully after the, uh, after the City game, we'll, we'll meet again. And that is the end of the pod. For more Arsenal-related content, please like, subscribe, and share to the Away Gunners podcast. See you next week. Oh,